Sitting back, relaxing, and talking sports with the guys. Hey, we're just men doing manly things. Light up a cigar and have a brew with the starting lineups Tyler Ivins and Eric Kay. For the next 60 minutes, it's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal. Welcome to another episode of the Gentleman's Hour podcast. Eric Kane alongside Tyler Robbins and the main attraction, Mr. John Stansel. Down here at Barley's in the Old City as we bring yet another sports weekend close to a close. It's kind of the halfway point, but it's been an exciting weekend. Not as busy this week, fellas. Obviously, SEC Media Days are behind us, but another beautiful day. It's a little cooler out here today, and that's been very very welcoming here on a uh you know nearing the end of july guys how are we doing today another gorgeous day uh, i'm doing fantastic here on a wednesday back to our normal time I, you know what the little tease of of having it be 50 something degrees high 50s low 60s this morning just really gets me anxious for, for fall i'm gonna tell you i need fall here asap john and despite yesterday morning heavy rain heavy rain yeah. all morning by yesterday afternoon, I found myself trying to think, was it today that it rained or was that yesterday? Because sure. when it left, it left. I mean, when it, And it was beautiful. The expression, when it rains, it pours. I mean, it's, it came out of nowhere. I and mean, we had all that rain back in February. And then yes, we had we so did. much of it over the course of, what, like 30 hours the last few days. I mean, there were, you know, the ditches on the side of the roads that were filling in, you know, you know, three, four feet, and uh, you know, yards look like lakes, and obviously, some some basements have been flooded, and you you think about those that were affected there. But glad that that's out of the way. And Tyler, you got it summed it up just perfectly. I mean, this is a nice little tease because you know it's going to go back to being super hot. Sure, um, in August, yeah. August is ahead of us. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, you know, halfway into my Thursday night rivalry, uh, excuse me, my my, th- my rivalry Thursday schedule is when it starts to get a little light jacket weather. So, but this is feeling nice. How, how many days away? I always forget the countdown in the mornings. To football time? Yeah. Today's day number 38. Eight, yeah. 38? 38 days. Oh, now 40 our, on Monday. I remember now Will West reacted just as I did because he's, he's not been on the show since Friday. Yeah. And so he had oh, I've already reaction. Ne- next week I'm on vacation, and I'll take a little bit of a reprieve away from my smartphone and just kind of sit around the pool. and I might do some small like documenting work, small adjustment work for the show when we get back. But when I get back two weeks from now and we're in the 20s, I'm just going to be like, what the, what is going on? I think the guys. I think Jeremy Pruitt will have his opening uh, opening camp press conference. Uh, I think next Thursday, and I think the guys <laughs> will start getting in. Obviously, next week and begin their their helmet practices over the weekend. And then fan day, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. In fan day, a week from Sunday. It's the fourth. So, so whatever day of the week, the fourth is my sister's birthday. Is August the second of Friday? Yes, yeah, Sunday the fourth. So it'll be Sunday the fourth. Yeah. I mean, goodness, I, I, that's coming up here. So exciting times. And after that, you'll have an opportunity to work into the program. It is slightly over a fortnight until yes. football season in Tennessee. You know, and you can tell we're getting closer and closer to that kickoff day. Last night, I went to check my mail. I had one neighbor pressure washing, pressure washing, pressure his, washing his driveway. I had another one who was cutting his grass. A fourth who was weed eating his grass. At the same time that I was greeting my neighbor, pressure washing. The third neighbor, I heard him kill his motor to his push mower. And then the fourth one, I heard him kill his weed eater. And it wasn't 45, 60 seconds later. The four of us were standing in the middle of the cul-de-sac talking about how close to football 
and then they were then going down their respective win-loss scheduling because they had listened to the show earlier oh, that sure. morning. Yeah, yeah. And next thing you know it, it was just, can you believe how close we are? Yeah, I mean, August 31 will be here before And you that's know something it. I want to touch base on later in the podcast. We, uh, you and I discussed it yesterday morning, Tuesday morning on the starting lineup uh, about a game that, you know, as a Tennessee fan, this game Tennessee needs to win in order for you just to know things are going in the right direction. Sure. I mean, a little bit for the season, no doubt, but really – the direction under Pruitt in year two and uh, got a wide variety of responses um, when we took the social media and we opened up the phone lines. I want to discuss that with you here in a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, football's right on the corner. I mean, I'm going to be out there covering practices every day. Super stoked about that. Um, but it's about that time. And, I mean, obviously baseball, I love, I'm such a baseball guy. Um, you know, I love going to games. I love watching the sport. But, I mean, it's a, you know, obviously something about football brings back all those memories of this – and then Kenny Chesney saw him the smell of the grass and wearing the jerseys at school and just kind of that Friday leading up to Saturday. or uh, no, Nothing like it. It's almost here. I just wish we'd stop talking about getting to it, getting to it. I understand we got to count down. But well, we have steps. Media days are behind us, so that's good. Camp is our next hurdle, you know, camp starting. And then we'll have stuff to talk about then. I'm but not you're a big right. steps guy. I'm more of an escalator guy. So can we just, like, ride to it? Let's just, let's just ride to it. Instant gratification, Ivan. Yeah, I mean, let's be uh, let's be real. I'm the guy who needs it done. Like now, I need it here now. Why wait when we can get it here now? Tyler, it is National Tequila Day. As you're listening to the Gentleman's Hour podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Sports Radio, WNML.com. Tyler Robbins, John Stansel, I'm Eric Kane. It is National Tequila Day. I mean, I I'm not you know I don't I don't shy away from it. I'm a drinker. I like to I like to have some beverages. Sure. Um not tequila. Not every, just about every experience that I've had with tequila, usually not the best one. You know what? Um it's so funny you bring that up because when we when you reach a certain age, your body tells you, "Okay, this is what needs to happen when you drink these alcohols." And at 33 years of age, all I'm reminded when it comes to alcohol, and this is you know an abnormal amount of alcohol. Yeah. Like samples here, if you take one here or there, put it in with a margarita, like it's like tequila. Okay, that's fine. It does its job. Where my problem with tequila comes, and I'll just keep it simple. Tequila is the fighting liquor. Yes. I don't know what it is about tequila, but every time I have tequila, I want to fight somebody. I have punched. Not because, not, not because like, I taste it and it's like, okay, now I'm ready. Let's go scrap. just does something it to you, It just does something to you. One of my dear friends, still really good friends to this day. I mean, once I'm in college, you know, I, I, I've been in some fights before, don't get me wrong, especially, you know, playing football and everything. But I should have, should have just, just clocked him. Clocked him one night. I was a couple of tequila shots in, and like that is so out of character for me. It makes you do things. Yeah. Not only does it make her clothes fall off, but it makes you just makes you. Just, a, yeah. Hey, it's good for the women. For the men, it's just ah, it's not a not, not a big time, margarita guy. Um, well, yeah. see, margaritas like I, I, margaritas are properly rated. I, there's not something I drink a choice. Yeah, but if we're somewhere on a hot day and it's like, hey, it's Coronas or margaritas, it's like, all right, it's a Corona margarita day. Yeah, I just. Tequila, I know there's a lot of people out there in particular who have already reached out like, hey, it's Tequila Day. Where are you going to meet us at tonight? Um, I've got television. I'm I'm going to go home and I'm going to have a cigar on the porch and get ready for Thursday's show. I've got television tonight. Alarm clock goes off at 345 in the morning. So uh, I mean, it was Cinco de Mayo was on a Sunday this year. And, you know, back in college, I mean, we'd go all out. But I remember I met met up with some people at Soccer Taco and I had about three Coronas. But I'm like, I mean, that's we all have those. That's my that's my drinking tonight. Uh, Tequila is the fighting liquor. Jaeger is the 
leave all worries on this current day because you won't remember it tomorrow. Yep. Uh, whiskey, that is my conversation drink. If I have a whiskey or I have a scotch or a, I, have a, I have a bourbon, that brown liquor, yeah. that's when I know, hey, some's good to mix with soda, some's other to have neat, some's good to have on the rocks, and I don't know what it is. I never want to fight when I have a cigar. So that's why whenever I have brown liquor, it kind of just my taste buds and the palate. John can help me with this as he just got done having him join himself a gentleman's beverage. It's just kind of a take in the day and enjoy it. I'm not at all a tequila guy. Yeah. I go to the brown liquor. I will go scotch or Irish, getting in touch with my Anglo roots, and I have one. Yeah. Usually that's it. See, that is one thing there. I wish that I could be a wine drinker because I'm getting older now. And I know it's a social thing, and it's classy, and I've tried. I'm telling you guys, the only wine that I can stand is that cheap, sweet Moscato. Moscato, there it is. I mean, I just, outside of that, and I'm not even all for that, but I, I just I just don't like the taste of, especially red wine. Uh, uh, one, of my, one of my friends in college, she tricked me one time, and she had like a water bottle full of something. We're at a party, and she's like, yeah, this is so-and-so. And I'm like, awesome. Took a big chug of this red wine. I, oh. You know what's weird about oh. this? Yeah. I can only have one glass of wine, and I'll have it like over dinner. Like, let's say I'm at kind of a, a big function. Yeah, exactly. A Thai function. That's where I want to be able to drink And wine. I'll have a glass of wine because I'll have it with my steak. And the next morning, I mean, there have been times where I've had a single glass of alcohol, and it's been a glass of wine with my steak dinner the night before. I'll wake up the next morning, and if I feel like I just got hit by a linebacker. And I'm like, I had one glass. I didn't mix it with any other thing at the bar. Yeah. I literally walked in. Had my all gratin potatoes, had my steak, had a glass of wine, went home, had some water and a cigar, woke up the next morning, and I was like, what the hell did I do last it's really night? A tip oh, of the, off one glass of wine. It's really a tip of the cap to the ladies out there that can uh, take glass, them, after glass after glass after glass. I, I discovered, we're, we're turning this into a, uh, well, this is a gentleman's hour. We can do whatever we want. Pinot Noir. I, disco- I, I discovered the brown the brown drink, the brown liquid in, in, in college, whiskey, <laughs> and I fell in love to say the least yeah but i couldn't con- i mean i was young i was stupid i i couldn't control it so i would just drink whiskey out we've mix, all been there mix mix and i talking about tequila makes you do weird stuff i mean there are some stories that i don't even feel comfortable talking about here in a circle of gentlemen who are all friends here that have gone on when i'm a a couple of glasses into the t- to my favorite whiskey and it, it's a sort of this day it's a beverage i enjoy but now i know how to control it a little bit more i know my limits and it's something I can sit down and you know drink neat when I'm you know preparing for the show the next morning or something. But tequila day, I just I just never natural tequila. I just never been the biggest fan of tequila. I only know of one person, female redhead, close friend of mine. Um, She's the only person I've ever seen conquer a bottle of tequila. Oh. Wake up the next morning and be like, I could do it again today. <laughs> I don't know what God put in her body, but she I. She's the easiest person to shop for, and she's the easiest person to get along with because she has officially conquered the code that is tequila. Every year for her birthday, we probably talk four or five times a year. Fantastic girl. I'm always going to see her on her birthday, and she always knows what's in the gift bag that I'm bringing her. It is a full bottle of Patron, and I'll just watch. And she, most people, like they say, they get angry, or they you'll see their alcohol, just start, and they'll start getting more woozy, more intoxicated. Yeah. I will watch this redheaded lady pop open that cork. I will watch her pour herself in a chilled shot glass, 
and she'll grab one of those cheap. She has a little, like a cafeteria salt shaker. She keeps, it's called her tequila salt. She has a nice little salt shaker that goes with her, with all of her placemats and her plates. She has a nice little setup in her dining room. But when she wants tequila salt, she'll sit at her counter. She'll lay out the, the, uh, the cutting board. Nice little knife. Have her lime there. She'll cut it up in small little pieces. And she'll be carrying on a conversation about world peace. She'll be carrying on a conversation about why anything. We could be talking about the weather outside. And I'll just watch her cut, cut, lime, pour a shot, do the shot. No, she's a firecracker, man. And, no, she, man. and she'll just sit there and she'll have four or five shots. And I'm like, uh-oh, here comes the rage. And she is just smooth as, I know as, a, that, uh, as whiskey coming out. See, I know about. a female like that but uh, when you say here comes the rage and it doesn't happen for your friend uh the female that we both know uh here comes the rage and here it is smacking you in the face well, no, she, but i think that's kind of just that's just kind of her nature i know who you're yeah. talking about i think that's just and i'll say this you know gone out and had some drinks in a group setting and everything and uh she's the type of gal that you know prefers tequila and i think the last three times i've ever had tequila in my life has been with her because i'm not just gonna do it by myself and it's always like let's take shots while we have tequila. No, you know what okay, I've also wondered. Tequila. You know what I've also uh, realized. What tequila might be the one liquor that, like, I can go somewhere and I can have house whiskey. I can have you know just the just the what do you what do you have? Uh, just it's happy hour. Yeah, just give me your well whiskey. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's I live on that. And it's kind of <laughs> like okay, it's fine. Or you can have you know you can upcharge and get some nice whiskey. You can get some nice vodka. You can have some well vodka. The one well beverage I cannot have. Like, I can take a shot of tequila. 1800, Jose, Patron, any, I mean, but if you drink well tequila, you're asking for it. Oh, yeah. You're asking for it, man. I just this past weekend, and we'll get into some dumb things that I did this past weekend that as a 33 year old, no man should ever have to question. I went together with a buddy of mine. We went back to some old stomping grounds up in the Sevier County area, went in, saw a couple bartenders we knew from college, and. It was happy hour, or as they call it, animal hour. One hour, 9 to 10 p.m. Got, got a sports animal uh, in the house. Anybody who listens to this podcast and was in school the same time I was, because I believe that this particular establishment, I'll just say it, when the Roaming Gnome was still on campus on the Strip, I think it went away two years after, so I would have been 08 for me. to. I think it was gone by 10 or 11. There's still that location in Sevier County in the Strip Mall, and two of those bartenders who we knew from college, they went up there, and they moved up there, and they're now GMs up there. <sighs> well whiskeys, well tequilas, well vodkas, and dollar giraffes for one hour. Ooh. And what did the birthday boy want? Well, let's just do a round of tequila. I, I had to pause for like 45 minutes and have me uh, chicken wrap and watch some baseball because 33-year-old Tyler can't do well, te- well tequila. Yeah, that brings up a good point. I'm going to push sports. You know, We'll, we'll, we'll get to it sooner or later uh, in this podcast, but uh, yeah, I want to start out this – this uh, this episode, uh, John, you're my counter. What are we at now? Thirty five, six, seven. We're at episode thirty seven, I believe. That's really thirty eight, though. We won't talk about it. Uh, yeah, the, you're, you're scraped up a bit, Tyler. And I, I want to. You, you, you mentioned hanging out with the boys, going to old stomping grounds, doing dumb things. Uh, when I think of dumb things, I'm sorry. I don't know what. Ha- I see your leg. You're all scratched up in numerous places. What happened over the weekend to where you're a little red and a little little scratchy there? There are, oh my goodness, you have a scratch, and there's, good Lord, what happened to you? Yeah, like stage. I lost a fight of like 12 house cats, but that's, <laughs> Literally, that's, that's what happened. Like. I mean, uh, I'll have, you know, for the sake of John's dog, Roxy, being here, I had a rough weekend, an R-U-F-F weekend. Ruff, ruff. Um, Cliff Notes version, 
we talked about it because we moved the podcast to Friday last week. So the weekend was ahead of us. Yep. We were still trying to finalize some plans for a good friend of mine's 33rd birthday. Um, we ended up going to Sevier County. And while we were up there, he is just a nature guy. He likes camping. He likes being out in the wild. He likes being out in just in general. It can be 99 degrees. It can be 49 degrees. He works in landscaping. He's just an outdoor guy. He's always an outdoor guy. It's a man's man. So Friday night, we decided that we were going to go to that local watering hole that we were used to going to. We had ourselves a couple of beverages. We did a little karaoke. It was a nice little, hey, let's have a good time before a big Saturday. Stand at a hotel right there on the Dolly Parton Strip right there. Really just the, the tourist trap that is Pigeon Forge on the main strip. Got a nice little hotel room there. Was pool and a hot tub. We just hung out with boys around a hot tub and a pool, which then led to Saturday. My friend loves tubing. He loves going out on the river and tubing. That's his thing. He just likes sitting back with a couple cold beers and a floating cooler and tubing the river. Well, the river, for those of you who listen to the podcast and maybe you're a boater, you know that probably this past weekend the water was a little higher than normal. Which, if you're a tuber, that's great because that means that your tube's not scratching the rocks the entire time. Sometimes tubing can be bad because you want to float down the river, but the rocks keep scraping the bottom of your butt in the tube and it slows you up and it's just not a really relaxing time. High water means high rapids. Not like white water rafting. There's just a couple of areas on the river where it runs faster than normal. So I will simply say this. I went to an establishment, uh, a, a business, River Rat. I'll just say it. River Rat. Shouts to them. They were very kind to us. We had a huge party. They helped us with straps, keep us all together. It was just a really nice time. After they unloaded the bus, this is what Tyler was wearing. Swim trunks. That's it. I had my sunglasses on, and that's it. No oh, shoes. Oh, yeah. No, no, no shoe protection. I remember no that. No shoes. Yeah. All I had on was sunscreen, sunglasses, and my trunks. So immediately, 33-year-old Tyler, Tyler Ivins, who hasn't been tubing in, I mean, it's a decade plus. Because the last time I went tubing, the water was so low, I didn't enjoy myself having to constantly kick myself out of a rut or kick myself out between rocks. We climb in the water. First mistake was walking across the rocks that were already slippery slippery because of the algae on top of pointy rocks that hurt as well. Once I got settled in, things were fine. So I'm riding down the river with a bunch of friends. We're all holding on to our rafts. We're all trying to get you know situated, comfortable, because we're going to ride this two-and-a-half-mile strip down the river. Once the water starts picking up, here's where Tyler starts getting on the bad side of things. We were getting ready to approach our first rapid, and I have my back turned to the rest of the group. Now think of it like this. This is the overhead shot. You're looking down on the river. Think of it as like you're looking at it from a drone or a helicopter. There are 15 to 17 tubes all connected together. Everybody's carried on conversations. Everybody's having a good time. We're telling old war stories. Tyler's one of the first two tubes that's leading the way. So my job is to essentially... If we start maybe getting a little bit off current, kick us back into the middle so the water will flow. We're not bouncing off the side. We're not bouncing off any kind of rocks that are near near the shore. We approach the first rapid, and all I hear behind me is, oh, my God, oh, my God, don't panic. And I turn around and look, and I see the birthday boy's girlfriend. She somehow has been disconnected from these 16 to 17 rafts. She gone. These tubes. When she slips, when her tube takes out from under her, 
based on my vantage point, there's a giant boulder that's hanging off the side of the in the middle of the in the mid right. I turn at the same time I look to my three o'clock over my right shoulder. The angle she's at, I see her head snap, and I see her fall off the raft or the tube. Based on my vantage point, it has looked like this woman has hit her head on the boulder. I panic immediately. Every girl's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, is she okay? What does Tyler do? He springs into action. I to go the, hassle to the rescue, off. rescue, baby. I immediately take myself off the tube. I hit the water. The current is dragging me away not only from my tube but from the rest of the guys, and I can't get to my buddy's girlfriend any faster because the rapids are pulling me down. First mistake. I should have waited till the rapids calmed down. This was dumb. I immediately just saw a girl fall out of the wa- fall off her tube, hit the water. She disappears. Everybody panics. I hear panic. I dive in. Soon as I hit the water, current's taking me. First thing that happens, bang! I hit a boulder myself, and I'm just like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" I now dig my feet into the river over all these sharp rocks, and I just start fighting the current, trying to go upstream. Things aren't working well for me. I get her tube, throw it up on a rock so it won't get flushed away. The rest of the group has gone down this rapid, this little hill, and they're trying to gather my tube. So picture this. Fifteen other people are gone off the side of this little mini waterfall, and the only thing that is up on the top part of the river, me without a tube, the girl without a tube. I've caught her tube and put it on the rock, as I've mentioned. She finally comes around the corner from the boulder. She puts her hand up. I'm good. She's a little wobbly, though, because she's shaken up. Plus, the current's heavy and the rocks are slippery. So now I'm sitting there trying to get to her while the rapids are slamming my body against this boulder. I mean, it's me and a rock in a hard place, literally. So I finally fight my way up. I'm bleeding on my shoulder. I'm busted up on my shoulder. I get to her. She's kind of not all here, and she's like, Tyler, I don't know what I'm going to. So I get her tube in the water. I put her in the corner, and I go, sit still. I'm going to get you up on this raft. I'm going to get you on the way. What about you? Don't worry about me. You just need to get away from this rock, and I'm going to push you down and just ride it out. So I finally wedge this raft once I get to her in the corner between two rocks. The rapids are splashing. I finally pick her up. I sit her down, and I said, just don't hit your head. I'm going to push you out. So I take the handle, I whip her away from the boulders, the current takes her, she goes over the waterfall, she's good. Remember, I'm sands without a tube, so I'm essentially a tumbleweed in the water. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out how am I going to, A, keep myself from getting hurt anymore, and B, I've got a nice expensive, (coughs) excuse me as I sneeze, I have a nice expensive pair of sunglasses that I cannot lose, that I've lost many sunglasses to the water. Second mistake. How about cheap sunglasses now? Second mistake. So not only am I not wearing water shoes or sandals to protect my feet, I've worn my expensive pair of sunglasses in the water. Eventually, you just we all come across this whole screw-it moment where you're tired of getting beat up against these rocks. Your options are to sit there and continue to get beat up or just let yourself go and let the rapids take you. Just do it, man. And that's what I did. I actually out loud just said, F it. It just means more. And I pick my feet up, let the water take me. I hit the first rapid. I bust my neck against the boulder, and I just start riding it out. The last image I see before I go over the hill are all my friends now in calm water standing straight up with their hands in the air, hands over their forehead like, oh, my God, what is Ivan's doing? 
I just go under the water. I'm under the water. I see rocks coming towards me, and I immediately reach for my head, grab my sunglasses, and put my hand in the air. One, because I don't want to lose my sunglasses, and two, I want my friends to see that I'm not getting completely submerged. So I'm literally riding this out kind of like a rodeo, like a rodeo, like a cowboy. Got my hand in the air. I'm just riding this out. You are East Tennessee, yeah. I bust my cheek against a rock. I now fall flat. My chest, my knees, my thighs are all dragging against the rock. The rapids are taking me around. All I know is once the water calms down, I'm going to pick myself up and whatever's happened has happened. I eventually stand up. And what I realize when I stand up is I know that my pants are near my ankles. So the option is who's going to see the front, who's going to see the back. So I decide since you my gotta, friends. You've got you to turn them around and let them see a show here. Okay, well, here's the thing. I either s- turn to my 6 o'clock. It's probably cold water, though. So. I turn to my 6 o'clock and the family of kids behind me can see or I can my friends can see. So now I've got to determine who's going to see what. So I finally slow down. I put my hand in the air. I stand up. Everyone's just like not, not one person acknowledged that my, that my uh, swim trunks are at my ankles. They're just like, Ivans, Ivans, are you okay? I stand up, put my sunglasses back on my face, Tom Cruise Maverick style, pull my trunks up, tie them off, triple knot them, and then I just start swimming towards them. And my buddies, two of them meet me halfway, and they're like, calm down, you're good. I was like, no, dude, I'm fine. I just don't know where I'm bleeding at. I stand up. My chest looks like I just went Wolverine style. My knees, my shins, my back, I'm bleeding. The girlfriend of my best friend, she's all like, you didn't have to do that. OMG, I can't believe you did that. That's stupid. They have my raft. We eventually get to the shore, off to the side where the water's not as crazy, and we park ourselves for a minute. I climb out of the water, and there's just blood everywhere. I'm just, I mean, it's not bad. It's by no Good means. Things I, a river, not an ocean. Shark would come. Like, by no means am I bleeding, but, like, I've got scrapes and cuts all over my body. And the webbings of my fingers, behind my ears, my shoulder. And I'm just like, this is why I don't go tubing. Because either the water's too slow, too low, and I drag, or it's too fast, and people get busted up. Uh, I didn't even even I didn't even have the worst injury of the afternoon. We had a friend who, when we approached the second rapid, he decided that he was going to let me lead the way this time. He misjudged it. He went face forward, slammed into the water. Tube takes off. We end up gathering it. We don't see his back the entire time we're on the river. Eventually, we get to the end. We climb out. He lights up a cigarette, but he won't show us his back. And we're like, dude, let us see your back. He turns around and about mm, right above his swim trunk liner around the waist and where his spine ends, he's got a probably about a five-and-a-half-inch gash where you can see the muscle. And we're like, you need to go to the hospital, brother. He's sitting there just smoking a cigarette, drinking a Mick Ultra, and he goes, nah, I'm going to be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. I like about that, 20 yeah. minutes later, either the bacteria, infection, something takes over, and he just starts vomiting. And he can't. He's like, I'm sick. I can't. There's something wrong with me. And he ends up going to the hospital, and we're like, hey, and get on the birthday, boy. He's like, you guys want to ride one more time down the river? We're like, no, we're good. We're done for the day. I didn't realize how banged up I was because, you know, you're, everything's hurting, everything's bleeding. Then later that night when I got home and took a shower, that's when you start feeling cuts on your body that you didn't know were there. Warm water does draw. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I, I can't recall the last time I was this beat up. 
Like, I, I'll go years without working out, but then when you come home from the gym for the first time and your abs hurt, your shoulders hurt, your arms, everything hurts. I, I was just bleeding all over my body. I got a couple of things. I mean, there's so many things I wanted to jot down take notes on. Okay, go ahead. Dude, oh, you, look, you, I'm an open book. I mean, you know me. I like to make fun of you. Um, no, no, go ahead. I'm first of all, book. you're my hero. I'm an open T- book. Tyler Robbins of the Rescue. You're, she actually you're wouldn't my stop. hero. It's so funny because I didn't think I did anything that nobody else would do. It wasn't like we were... It wasn't like we were in, like, Colorado and, like, the water was that crazy. It was, I mean, it was rough. But my friend's girlfriend, it looked like she hit her head, and he couldn't get to her. So I was like, I'm the only person who can get to her. I'm doing it. House is on fire, and there's a kid screaming from the third floor window. I'm going in after him. I was going to say, second of all, it's like the story sounds like it'd be like in, you know, you know somewhere in, out in the, in the Midwest or whatever. We were in, we were in the Smoky Mountains. In Smoky the Mountains, water, yeah. The water was probably moving about 20 miles an hour. That's funny, man. Twenty-five miles an hour, but when you're trying to walk upstream with no, with no, like, I mean, you have no anything on the bottom of your feet. I have no, I can't get any traction. I just keep cutting my feet trying to get to her. No. I'm probably moving no, probably going backwards more than I'm going forward. Another thing, I know that you know, you know, maybe maybe kids one day, maybe not. You know, whatever. You don't need to have kids. You just need to have. You need to go straight to having grandkids. And I know that's impossible because you, your stories. And I've told you this before. I mean, you are such a great storyteller. Don't know how much is embellished or whatnot. I'm not much of an embellisher. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I guarantee you. I could call what you, I'm, I'm not saying. Two weeks now on the podcast, you want to bring somebody on and have him describe the story? I'm not. Yeah, sure. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not get saying. DK, I'll get DK on the I'm phone for next week. I'm not saying you're lying or anything. I mean, you know what? You embellish a little bit. Point is, you're a great storyteller. What, what part of the story in, do you think it was embellished? I don't know. I mean, uh, the rapid, the rapidness of the waves. You banging your head on a boulder. You know, just you know the repetitiveness of that. I don't know. I'm not saying you're. When this lying. is over. I want you to feel the back of my head and nice. look at the, feel the knot that's still on there. It's a little weird. I'm not saying you're lying. But <laughs> my point being, you're a great storyteller, and I mean, it's a credit to your broadcasting and being a talk show host. It's it's all good traits. Um, but man, you will be able to tell some good stories to some kids one day. It's you just, tell stories to me. I'm just like, uh huh. Here's the thing, though. It, a lot of the stories that I tell, I probably shouldn't tell them, but it's just like, here's why you shouldn't do what you do. Hence the and story. Yes, kids, this is how I met your mother. Well, I slept with all of Manhattan, and then, you know, I was going to give up, and then I saw your mother at a train station. Oh, that was actually how I met your mother. I was about to say, I don't remember telling you about all the women I slept with in Manhattan. <laughs> Not all of them, but nah, that's no. Just, just Ted's romantic. The history. point is, is this. You're 33 it's years old, Tyler. Girl, so, you know, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You're 33 years old. Know your limits. And guess who's not going to be going tubing for the foreseeable? Probably another 11 years before I tube again. Tyler Ivans. Tyler Ivans is not going to go tubing anytime soon. I told my buddy. We got back to the hotel. I said, what do you want to do for your 34th birthday? He goes, oh, dude, we go tubing every year. I said, screw that. I'll pay for your trip to Hilton Head before we go tubing oh, it's again. funny. Like, well, I mean, granted. Go ahead, John. Just consider this, and I think the point Mr. Kane was trying to make is, a few decades removed, Burt Reynolds would have starred in that movie. But let's just let that stand there <laughs> six eight months ago could that tyler Evans have pulled that off no and the answer is the new tyler Evans. 316 pound tyler Evans. no nah, you, and, you and joe moorhead would have stayed in the raft 200 249 <laughs> pound tyler Evans barely got, got i don't a little, think i pulled it little, off a little 65 guy and a little little 55 burger a Dude. combined weight loss of i need paper to do that 66 <laughs> and 55 that would be 111 no, it wouldn't said. be 121. That's I can't what, do math that's either. That's what I said. 121. 121. <laughs> um, 
but anyway, you know, it's it's good stories, and of course, you know, we're we're halfway, and we're we're going to talk Tennessee basketball, big matchup in the SEC. Uh, Big 12 Challenge that was announced uh, by John Rothstein yesterday per report. Tennessee football right around the corner. But, you know, I was talking with some people the other day, and I was just like, man, you remember when we did this? You remember when we did that? Man, we did some crazy stuff. We did some stupid stuff. But I know everybody, you know, does that. It's not so much young. stupid, but, you know, this, this, this is actually a perfect time for me to tell you this. If you hung out with me more outside of work, you could – like how many times have you asked, when am I going to get invited to the garage? Yeah. When are you going to invite me out to do fill-in-the-blank things that I'm not even going to make reference to because I don't want to make other people jealous who listen gotta, to this gotta, podcast? Got to get that invite, I'm though. just saying, dude, you, you don't need an invite when you have an open invite. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is that some of these things, you, you know, these things that you claim are embellished, you would be here, and then the next day you go, that would seem like something that is embellished. Had I not been there, I, I would not have believed you. The open invitation – just that that phrase is always a little weird, at least to me, because you know I know it's open, but it's always awkward. Like you always feel like you have to check in or you have to. Ask one of for these permission. days, one of these days, John, he'll learn that when it comes to working with me, when I say come do this with me or go, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beg you to do it. It's like the invite's there. All he simply has to do is, hey, what are you getting into this weekend? I don't know. I'm probably gonna go to Sevier County. It's my buddy's 33rd birthday. Do you like hot tubs? Oh, sure. Do you do you like going out and hanging out with the boys? We might go rafting the, the next boys. day. Will there be blood and raging rapids? That's your primary right. question. You know, it's funny. I haven't told Will West this. All the ingredients uh, were there, dude. I feel like a real jerk, but I'm going to take off Monday and Tuesday. Did you say you're going to Chicago? I leave Friday I'll, I'll tag along at like that. 4 o'clock. Let's go. I need to go to Wrigley. I need to. We're going to Wrigley Saturday night. Oh! And then awesome. uh, the, the Mets are on the south side playing the Shy Sox, and I'll be there for two of the three. Going to see some family up there? Kind of taking in some uh, i got two buddies, one who actually works for um, – the beer distributor up there for Anheuser-Busch in the middle of the city near Navy Pier. The second Fred actually works for Goldman Sachs, one of their departments out there. He's the one getting us the tickets to the games. Dude, pop the trunk and load that back of the Cherokee down. Bring Money back. and beer. They're both there. <laughs> They're both there. But, you know, I was talking, I was just like, you know, we used to have so much fun. And still have fun. You can still have fun. It's just no, do it I, in moderation. But I'm saying, like, we used to just to do some some stupid, crazy stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, I'm 26. I'm not that old. But, like, you know, I'm in the stage, and all my friends are in the stage where we're growing up, trying to mature and everything. We haven't gone out and just gotten, you know, I mean, I've, I've walked this street that I'm looking at here right now just when I shouldn't have been walking this street. I've okay, been but see, that's in the establishments thing. You, here. Don't, you know you can still have a good time and I've not be go 22-year-old. stuff. That's fine, but and you don't have to be 24, 25-year-old. It's stories, though. You know? You can, hey. I just told a fantastic story as 33 years old. You have old. a story right here in this parking lot, don't you? Oh, Christ, dude. Why? Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's the point I'm trying to get at. 23-year-old 20, Tyler would have done that, but not 33-year-old Tyler. I'd hope not. Oh. I can still have fun and not oh. do it with alcohol in my blood, and I can still do it with good friends around me. Here's the thing. You're going to learn eventually if you've had this. Look, I'm the type of guy I learn. get bored easy, so I want to push the envelope, and but I'm also very – like I kind of also know what's pushing the envelope with who I am now and what my career is. I would never do any of the things that I, I would never do eighty percent of the things I did at twenty two or twenty three oh, that God, I would do neither. at thirty two and thirty three. Oh, so but I went I went and rode the tubes well, on I mean, the that, river. That's not something I'm talking. I had about. Yeah. a beer in me, and one of my friend's girlfriends decides. I'm going to panic and flip my tube, and See, then I, I immediately go into David Hasselhoff mode. I would have had at least a sixer by the, t- by the time See, I that's took the same. Really. See, dude, you can come out and have a good time, yeah. but you don't have to. We don't have to go rage against the machine. I'm trying to think of 
things that I did this summer that didn't turn out like obviously when you went you know when you went on the river you didn't think you'd come back all cut up and everything oh absolutely not not once trying to think of things this summer things in the last couple of months that I've done that really didn't plan out you know I was talking to you guys you know earlier I I just I work all the time and then I hang out with a couple friends and I do you told us last week on the podcast you were going to go to a pool yeah do the pool did you go to the pool oh hell yeah I'm freaking did you have some beer I had tons of beer. Did you make uh, memories with your friends? Yeah. Okay, so what's the problem? You, There's had, no a good problem. T- you had a good time. There's no problem. I'm just sitting here. I'm just so then tell us a story about what you did there at the with the, uh, the pool. I'm just, did you hang out with the boys and have a good time? Yeah, I drank a ton of beer, played cornhole. There you go. Drove a golf cart around. Look, there you go. Yeah. Now, you weren't in the golf cart with one of your buddies who thought it would be funny to go you know, ramp at a golf course. You know, Three you Ridges is right, right across okay, the street. You weren't with one of your buddies who doesn't know when to stop, and they try to hijack a ball I'm washer. I'm not sitting here saying my life is boring. I'm just trying, to think, of something, trying to think of something exciting that I've done that's in the last couple of months. Because I used to do a, a lot of exciting How things. How old are you? 26. Okay, used to. It's okay to retire that side of your life. <laughs> I don't want to, though. Oh, well, then that's, a, that's a personal problem. And if you <laughs> that's actually, a personal problem. That's There's a personal problem. problem. But if you... Dude, look, you... Caner, kind of look at your life like this. I'm, I really don't want him to pop his feet up on the chair, John. I don't have a legal pad. I'm not a psychic, or I'm not a therapist. I'm not. A, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm if just simply. A couch here, I'd fall asleep. I just simply tell you this: you can still go out and have a good time. It's just who do you want to have a good time with? Get out of your comfort zone. I feel this turned into the. I'm just, dude. You're just the, making it sound like that you work all the time. There and, and no, no, no. I, I 100% do work all the time. I, work I know six you days do. A week. Guess what, dude? You can all you've. I'm not bringing that on the podcast. I'm simply saying, if you can find those free moments, like when you're off next week, Monday and Tuesday, go do something you would normally do. Get out of your comfort zone. Oh, I'm not taking an old, uh, old K-Mets game. Woo. Then go up to K-Mets game and, and get out of your comfort right. zone. We were going to go see Jared uh, Kalenic, and he got traded, and we can't anymore. We were going to go see that game last year. We never did. We could still go see plenty of the players at Kingsport. You know who uh, used to play up there in Johnson City, or excuse me, in the Appalachian League? He played for the Bluefield team, but old Vladimir Guerrero Jr. A lot of good players. A lot of good players come out of that good, league. A lot of great players come to the Appy League. Germans Hour podcast, Tyler Robbins, the storyteller, John Stansel, the Wiseman, Eric Kane. I'm going to need a massage before I leave on Friday. Like, my body is still beat all to hell, man. I feel like that. I was hung by a string, and kids just took a wiffle ball bat and pinata the hell out of me. You except do look like shit. Except yeah. if, you, if you look at all my cuts, there's uh, no candy came out. There, was, <laughs> there were no nerds. There were no runts. Tennessee uh, was reported yesterday that Tennessee basketball will face off against Kansas yep. in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. That was reported by John Ro- uh, Rothstein. And... Um, it's not confirmed, obviously, but it's been reported. You know, Kansas is one of those teams that could potentially be hit with some sanctions here. Uh, already, two schools have been uh, outed in the in the bribery, the college bribery scandal that is with the Adidas and the agents and all that. Um, Auburn expects to be hit. That that news came out earlier, of course, NC State earlier this month. Right, but. Uh, Blue Bloods. When you think of Blue Bloods, you think of Kansas and uh, potentially a team that could be hit there. But Kansas is a projected top five team. Some think they're going to be the top team when when the rankings come out at number one. Tennessee, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be more of a rebuild rather than a reload. Um, But, no, it's exciting. Uh, Tennessee – I mean, usually it's it's Kentucky and Kansas. This year it's Tennessee and Kansas. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've been to Fog Allen Fieldhouse twice, covering a different program as the road team in that facility. And uh, there's just something about it, man. I mean, it, there's uh, – say magical. I mean, that might be a little over the top. But, like, 
you walk into that arena, you know there's something special going on there. Not just the team who's on the floor that day that Kansas is sporting, just like the history there, the teams that have been there, the teams that have tried to come in there and knock off Kansas. I mean, if you want to talk about impressive streaks in sports today, either college or professional, why don't you go dig up some of the winning streaks that Kansas University has had in that building? I mean, look, it's more than a feather in a cap if you go to Fog Allen Fieldhouse and beat Kansas there. Some people say it's the officials. Some people say that, much like what Tennessee and a lot of SEC teams deal with when they go to Rupp Arena, a lot of teams deal with the same thing whenever they go to Fog Allen Fieldhouse. I don't think it's so much officiating. I think it's more about talent and what they know, with the fan yep. base behind them, how close the fans are. Just sometimes players go in there and they just get caught, John, looking up at the rafters going, this is unlike any arena I've ever played in before. There are those arenas, professional, certainly college, the building itself is intimidating to step on that court. It is. It's just that place. And it, it, it's, it's, it's constructed as well, and I had to learn this the hard way the first time I was there, where the media sits, where the fan base is, and where the student section is, the way it's constructed, it's almost as if you would think in this arena that it would be equal sound for everything, kind of like a train coming through when we do a podcast. Oh, the people listening to this podcast can hear this train. I have sat behind the home bench, and I've sat behind the road bench. I kid you not. The road side of the bench, a lot louder than the home side, and it just can be intimidating. It just, just based on the acoustics, it just, and that's just one of dozens of reasons why when you're there the day before the game and you walk through the arena for shoot-around and you kind of just walk around the town to get a bite to eat before the game with your teammates and you just see so much blue and it just – and you, and you know, and your coach, whether or not they try to preempt you that, hey, we're going to Fog Allen, and you watch the talent on the floor. I mean, I hate to always draw things back to baseball comparisons, but what was the old saying with the Yankees early? Not only are you walking into Yankee Stadium, but sometimes if you're not careful, you get caught looking at the pinstripes too much. Oh, yeah. You walk into Fog Allen Fieldhouse, yeah, not yeah. only are you facing off against some of the best talent college basketball has to offer with some of the best coaching college basketball has to offer, sometimes you get caught up that – oh, wow, you can't escape the fog, and it's true. Well, those those banners, those jerseys hanging in the rafters, not at all unlike Yankee Stadium looking at those monuments and thinking, dang. You're looking here, at the batter's eye trying to, pick up a, you're trying to pick up a breaking ball, and all of a sudden you're just like, man, it's 0-2, and you look over the pitcher's right shoulder, and it's like DiMaggio, Mantle, Ruth, and you just keep going Straight down the three. list. And you're like, <laughs> well, get him next at bat, and it just – Domino. You know, growing up watching uh, a whole lot of Duke basketball, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you see team after team after team every single year come in. (laughs) They come into Cameron Indoor Stadium, and it's just so small. It's probably the smallest arena uh, in in Division One. But you look up and you see all those jerseys retired. You see all the national championship banners. You see all these Olympians and everything. It's kind of the same thing, too. But say what, when Rick Barnes came to Tennessee, you know, that's something that we all knew, something that we all thought that he would schedule good because he's very well respected around the game, has a lot of good friends, and uh, he's, you know, highlighting this Tennessee schedule. He's playing a lot of, a lot of top-tier talent. But, you know, with the news breaking yesterday, and then you just kind of sit back and think, you're like, man, what a whirlwind of an offseason this has been for Tennessee basketball. Oh. I mean, think of everything that happened. The way the Volunteers lost in the Sweet 16 – should it have been a foul? Should it not have been a foul? And all that stuff um, could have advanced on to the second Elite Eight in program history. And then who knows? The way you lost, the pursuits 
from UCLA to Coach Rick Barnes, that whole saga about is he going to go, is he going to stay. Uh, he felt the Lord was calling him to stay here in Tennessee. Um, also, he would have been taking a pay cut, even though he would have been making $5 million. That would have been the second highest paid coach, right? No, K, K is it would have been the third highest paid coach, nonetheless, um, if he would have went to UCLA. And then you have the transfers. You have Derek Walker transferring. You have DJ Burns, who at the time, before Josiah James, he was the highest rated prospect ever to come into Tennessee and was redshirted this year. And then you're getting you know whispers that, man, he's not looking good in practice. He's not looking good in open gyms. And then he transfers to Wofford, back home to Rock Hill, South Carolina. It has been one heck. And, of course, the Kerry Blackshear Jr., you miss out on him. It has been one heck of a whirlwind of an offseason season. And I'm I'm going to be very intrigued to see how this team responds. You're, when you lose, um, that doesn't even you know bring you to mention the NBA draft where you had three guys drafted. The whole Jordan Bone thing when he was picked 57th overall, and the family and friends flood the stage. Uh, Cal Alexander gets signed to a deal with the Miami Heat after an impressive summer league. You know Grant Williams to Boston, Admiral Schofield ultimately to uh, Washington. You're having to replace all those guys. It's going to be very intriguing to say the least when Tennessee basketball gets here and I can tell you this right now there will not be 31 wins this season but it's uh very unpredictable to sit back here and think and see how the volunteers will fare you know maybe top five in the SEC who knows but they're going to be challenged right out of the gate their non-conference schedule this year has the potential to be something fierce to the level of two years ago or last year nah but Washington north of the border go down to the Emerald Coast Classic where you're going to take on a, a Florida State team that a lot of people thought could make a run to the Final Four last year. Then Leonard Hamilton always restocks. Potentially. Purdue. For the third time in th- three years. Fourth time in three years. And you just... <sighs> Excuse me, third time in three. You just... Tennessee needs to continue to stockpile good talent and go up against the best talent because that's the only way you're going to win in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, look at the teams who have won the national championship or made an appearance in Final Four in the years past. Even some of the mid-majors, you know, oh, that, that team doesn't deserve to be here. Look back at their schedules the year that they got there. The only team in the last decade I can remember who made the Final Four who had kind of a womp-womp schedule, and it's just like, eh, was Loyola. And everything had to, everything had to go right for them teams being upset that region to help them advance to where the they got. The bounce on the rim that beat Tennessee. You're right. A lot of it has to go into play there. But exciting times for basketball rolling in. Of course, 38 days until it's football time in Tennessee. And real quick as we wrap up this podcast, the last 15 minutes or so, I want to discuss there's this one game that's on the schedule. We posed this on the starting lineup on Tuesday. You know, if Tennessee wins, what game on the schedule, 2019, does Tennessee need to win for you as a fan to sit back here and say, okay, Things are rolling in the right direction. Um, you know, doesn't necessarily be realistic too. It doesn't necessarily have to be for the 2019 season, but it obviously can be. But more or less, you know, season moving on into year three for Jeremy Pruitt. As expected, we had a lot of fans call in, tweet in, say Florida, Florida, Florida. That's expected, but that's not really the route you and I were going. And I mean, if you know if they think it's realistic, then sure. I don't think that's going to be a win this year. I know you don't either. Um, Mississippi State's a conversation. South Carolina's a conversation. Vanderbilt is a conversation, yeah. as well as Missouri. A um, lot of different answers we got. We got all those answers. We got even more. Um, but uh, what was your game again? I think you you and I both had South Carolina. It's Carolina. Right? Yeah. Um, and here was my thought process of why it was South Carolina. Florida will, in my opinion, always be Tennessee's rival. 
but that also shows my age. Hey. My folks would tell me Alabama. Sidebar. How many times? I looked up the stats last night for Tennessee Sports Night with Josh Ward. How many times has Tennessee won in Gainesville in the history of the series? In Gainesville? In Gainesville. This will shock you. <sighs> they haven't done it since Clawson was there. I'm going to guess. I bet I can count them all on one hand. I'm going to say, and that, look, the, rivalry's, the rivalry has been going on for some time. Spurrier would put a chokehold on the series when he was there. I'm going to say, I want to say five, but I'm going to cut myself short for the sake of this argument because of how you presented it. I'm going to say it's four. Ooh, you should have stuck with your heart there. Five. Way to go. Yeah, yep. five. All right, so Florida leads the all-time series at 28-20. to 20. They've met 48 times. Yep. Okay? Tennessee's only won five times in Gainesville, last being Casey Claus and the Iceman in 03. Tennessee did win a number of games in Tampa. Um, that was before Florida was was out, operated out of Gainesville. They right. played in Tampa. Tennessee won a couple times in Tampa, but since being in Gainesville, only five times. Florida is 15 of 19 this century. Florida's won 13 of the last 14, including the last two. Yeah, it's a one-sided rivalry. So, you know, when LaMichael Piron, I know we discussed this last week, but when LaMichael Piron said, uh, Tennessee of rivalry, no, it's just another game. You know, we, we get amped up way more for Georgia. You know, when, when Alabama's on the schedule, stuff like that. I mean, dude, I hear you. I mean, I, I completely hear you, but our fathers, our grandfathers, they think of it entirely different. So, you know, when I heard the Florida answer, I was like, I get it, I get it. But really, to me, number one, unlike last year when you and I both thought realistically Tennessee could beat Florida, which you don't turn the ball over six times, you might be in the ball game. Um, I don't think Tennessee's going to beat Florida this year in the Swamp. So that's why I was leaning more towards the Mississippi State's contest, October 12th at home, second-year head coach is going to work. You know, Tommy Stevens is going to be the guy in Starkville this year. Let's see what happens. I think his story is the most intriguing one because after Moorhead said that he was this close as I do the fingers again. Yeah, I don't. If this close of, of you know, taking over the job over Trace McSorley, again, hyperbole, trying to hype know, up his starter this I know year. He, I know he said that. I don't buy it at all. Yeah, yeah. nor do I. But guess what? That storyline is going to be in my head October 12th yeah, week. exactly. So, you know, that is a huge game. Yeah. But after that game, you play Alabama. Right. Tennessee's not going to come close to being Alabama. So after Alabama, you have South Carolina. Then you have UAB. Then you have Missouri. Then you have Kentucky. Then you have Vanderbilt. You recover from Alabama. You play South Carolina when you had them on the ropes last year on the road. Right. You get Will Muschamp's 7-0 record off your back when he was at Florida now at Carolina. Okay. You take care of business against a quarterback in Jake Bentley. That is good. That is experienced. You take care of business. You cruise to a UAB win. You come back, you improve against that 2-6 and six record against Missouri, who will have a new quarterback this year. A good quarterback, but not Drew Locke. Flip that. UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, then Vandy. Point being. Point you, being. You take care of Kentucky, and right. for the love of God, you take care of Vanderbilt. You could, and I know this is on July 24th, and I'm not saying they're going to do this. You could run the table from there, finish 5-0. and I don't think Tennessee will do this, but I think Tennessee will win the majority of those games. You could find yourself with an 8-1 season. See, that's the thing about it is that, look, I know Florida – the rivalry and everything that comes with Tennessee, Florida, that's the big game every year, especially right now because they're the closer to Tennessee's competition right now. And out of the big three, the most likely to be defeated, even though right now, talent-wise, I think there's a little bit of a distance between them. Yep. But carbon copy to what you just said, and that was what I, my, you know, really my argument to this conversation was yesterday was, Tennessee fans, let's say that you don't beat Florida. 
and then let's say you bye week and you don't beat Georgia, you get a nice little palate cleanser win against Mississippi State, then you go right into the third Saturday of October, and then Bama does what Bama wants to do to you. Yep. That following week, you then play South Carolina. Look at the stats on what Bama does when they play you and how you fare to your next opponent. The carryover effect is still very real when you play Alabama. So this is what you do with a win against Carolina. You kind of dent that narrative that the Bama effect carries over to more than one week. You then begin a new winning streak that is against a guy that you cannot pop, and that is Will Muschamp. There you beat an opponent in the East that matters in recruiting. Then all of a sudden you then go into a UAB game. You beat Kentucky. Then you take on a Missouri team who a lot of people believe is a true wild card in the East. For everybody who says Georgia-Florida will be the cocktail party is going to be the difference in the East this year, don't discount Missouri and don't discount Kelly Bryant. But if you can build off the Carolina win, push back Bama, put that bad vibe away, and then you start that winning streak, and in that winning streak you then knock off a Missouri team who's beat you by 26 points back-to-back years, and then you beat up on Vanderbilt as you should year in and year out, all of a sudden, you've now won five in a row. You're now waiting to find out who your bowl opponent is. If you're an eight-win team, then you're probably playing Tampa. in the Outback Bowl in Tampa. Jan won, and I'm just and you're and you're just hashtag be the bloom. You're being the bloom, yeah. and you're facing off against. I'm right now trying to realistically think who your eight and four Big Ten team, Big Ten teams are this year. You said Nebraska the other day. Nebraska, Northwestern. Iowa. I, I firmly believe because just how much a crap shoot that the Big Ten West is that you face one of those three teams. Let's say you beat a Nebraska team that's led by a former recruit, Adrian Martinez. Uh, but also by second-year head coach, Scott Frost. By Let's say you beat Pat Fitzgerald in yeah. that stacked Northwestern defense. Yep. Let's say you beat an Iowa team who every year has those corn-fed guys who just has revenge on the docket because of what you did to them four years ago in Jacksonville. You get an impressive win against a Big Ten West team. You have nine victories at that point in time. We're all in this hypothetical right now, so oh, stay with this me. is very hypothetical. But all of a sudden, you have nine wins, and now you've moved up from a 5-7 and seven finish year one to a 9-4 and four finish in and year here's two. here's the thing. If you finish and then nine, now you're banging on the door to competition in the East in 2020. If, when the final rankings come out and you finish 9-4, and four, you're probably ranked. You're in the 20s. Yeah, you're probably ranked. Um, this is very hypothetical again. So many question marks have to be. Josh and I also did for the countdown, which is every Tuesday night on Tennessee Sports Night. I didn't catch that last week when you and I were on. We did the big three. The five most important Tennessee football newcomers. And you and I briefly discussed this in uh, Woodja yesterday morning as well. You know, we, we labeled them you know, starting at five, Jalen McCullough adding depth to the defensive backfield. Number four, Henry Toa Toa. Toa Toa, that is how you say it. Toa Toa, uh, at the linebacking corps. Uh, Don't look now, but there's a uh, there's a truck full of tequila that's right behind you right now. Apparently, they heard the podcast live. Careful now, if you want some uh, Casamigos. Apparently, Jeez. he's salt line, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't bring him here. Number three, offensive lineman Darnell Wright. Number two, Aubrey Solomon, if eligible. Number one, Wanya Morris. And so. All those guys would be filling a position of need. That it's a huge question mark for Tennessee. Obviously, the offensive line, obviously the defensive line, and then a linebacker spot. Um, Tennessee's got a lot of question marks. They have, they are loaded at the receiver position. You've got good running backs. Sure. Um, you've got 
you feel good. You like a little bit more depth at cornerback, but you feel good about the defensive backfield. You need another linebacker to set. Really need two because DeAndre Johnson really didn't do a whole lot for me last year. Um, you I need, was really high on Johnson when he replaced Kongbo after the ACL injury. Against he came Auburn. and had a sack against Auburn, then didn't do anything else. Exactly. You know, and again, this is Daryl Taylor that's getting a lot of preseason hype. By the way, uh, he's good on, for him. Man. You know, but let's let's be consistent. Um, Daniel Batuli is as solid as a rock, but you need. Is it going to be Will Ignat? It's going to be Shannon Bree. Going to be Henry Toa Toa. Uh, is it going to be Colbert's Crouch? I think it's going to be a combination of all those guys I just mentioned. Um, but you need some defensive linemen, and, that, and Aubrey Solomon is, is deemed eligible. I tell you what, man, he will be huge because he will control one tech to one tech, meaning he will control inside pad of the guard to the other inside pad of the guard. He's that big, he's that fast, he's that physical. Tennessee needs that. Tennessee needs that on a on a position that is very very slim. So all these guys are filling positions of needs, and again, in this hypothetical situation, we're talking potentially nine wins. All these guys have to come up, come in, step up mature very fastly and uh, perform to the highest of their abilities. But, you know, it's good to be having these conversations. It really is. I, um, I'm just anxious to see what Tennessee football is going to do this year because of all the things that we're talking about. Instead of talking about hypotheticals and what could have been, cleats on, helmet strapped up, go hit somebody and see what SEC football looks like in 2019. Yep, just right around the corner again. Jeremy Pruitt going to have his uh, press conference most likely next Thursday. The guys will start practicing over the weekend. Fan day is a week from Sunday, and uh, it'll be full speed ahead. Tennessee football 38 days away. Tyler Robbins will be off all next week, and when he comes back, it'll be in the 20s, and that's when it's going to get real here. Gentlemen's Hour podcast live from Barley's in the Old City, Barley's Tap Room. Uh, down here in the Old City having a good time. John Stancil, he's at John underscore Stancil on Twitter. Tyler Robbins at Tyler Robbins. I'm Eric Kane underscore Kaner. Guys, it's been fun as always, and you can only hope for such pristine weather next week when we come out here on the patio. True enough. I'm 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 openly I'm openly hoping that I you come and record the podcast next week without me, so I can listen to it while I'm sitting by a pool. I can do it. You want to come? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll come. We'll come record a podcast. John and I will have we'll have a good time. That way you can listen to it on your flights to and from. So we'll do that. Guys, have a great rest of your week. Tyler, of course, we'll see you bright and early tomorrow. And, Brother, um, I appreciate it as always. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun here as I'm trying to do this thing we call on radio, stretching, stretching things out while we get that audio that we don't know where it's at. We play that audio. This is... I would say live radio. This is actually recorded. I could stop. I could go back and re-record. But yeah, but we don't like you editing after you hit the stop record button. We know what happens when you do that. <laughs> the lost episode. We're not going to talk about it. We'll see you again. Another Gentleman's Hour podcast is in the books with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivins and Eric Kane. Chat with the guys on Twitter, at Tyler Ivins and at underscore Kaner. It's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal.